Welcome to the Peterson's Bow Hunting Podcast. All bow hunting, all the time. Now, here's your host, editor Christian Berg. All right, welcome back to the Bow Hunting Podcast. We are all bow hunting all the time, and this week I'm excited to bring you a conversation that I had with Barry Wenzel. Many of you are surely familiar with Gene and Barry Wenzel, the brothers of the bow. These guys are living legends in the whitetail hunting community. They've taken just piles and piles of great bucks over the years all around the country. And I ran into Barry last week at the Great American Outdoor Show in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. He was in town to promote a new book that he's written on his deer hunting adventures over six decades of deer hunting experience. It's called The Old Man and the Tree, and I asked Barry if he would be willing to sit down and share some of his recollections from over the years with us, some of his bow hunting insights, and I really think that you guys are all going to enjoy this. So I know it was a real pleasure and honor for me to get some to spend some time with Barry for the first time, and I hope you'll enjoy it as much as I did. So before we go to that conversation, just want to remind everybody that as always, the Bow Hunting Podcast is brought to you by Lancaster Archery Supply. For all your bow hunting needs, visit LancasterArchery.com. They've got the gear, they've got the knowledge, and they've got the passion. And now, my conversation with Barry Wenzel. All right. Well, Barry, I got to say, it's a pleasure to have you here on the podcast. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. I like doing these things. I like the people. I mean, generally, hunters are good people. and Everybody's uh, you know, getting to, you get to meet people that I haven't seen for decades. So it's, it's good to get around and get back at those points. I started this Harrisburg show. I think I told you I did the first one. It was either 1979 or 1980. And I've done a dozen since then. But anyway, yeah, I, I really enjoy it. I wish we had enough time. To walk around us ourselves I and mean, being a vendor, it's tough to get around. I mean, you, you have a hard time seeing this show in two days and walking all day. Yeah, absolutely. Well, of course, I, you know, I mean, I met you down there. You've got a booth here. You've mm-hmm. got your DVDs mm-hmm. and your books. And mm-hmm. I mean, people after, you know, all these years are still flocking to you for deer hunting knowledge and you know that says something i appreciate that because and it, frankly i just wrote a new book and i've written several books before and done dozens of videos etc i consider the old videos and books is more entertainment but they i'm kind of frustrated on the kids the youth today and it's our fault you're being taught the only way to shoot a big buck is in a shooting house boot lot. And I want to get them in the woods with ramps and, and dad and stuff like that. Take them in the woods and show, teach them the woodsmanship skills so that they, you know, they can make a decision. I'm not against, you know, the boot lot or anything like that at all. 
But I want to, I want, the more you put into something, the more you get out of it. I just, just wrote this new book in, in hopes that the adults will read it and, you know, learn some of my secrets over the years and hand it on kids. Thank you. So, what's the name of the new book? You heard of Ernest Hemingway? It's the old man in the old man and the tree. And the tree. All right. And you know what's funny, Barry, is I didn't realize this, but I'm going to claim it. As a fellow Pennsylvanian, you are a native Pennsylvanian, yeah. born and lived your early years here. In Dubois. I mean, I, well, I didn't, I say it. I was born in Dubois, Clearfield. And dad was uh, in management. He moved, we moved year old. That's where the, the family fought. Every time we go through, we, 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 we. So, so you so you didn't live here for very long. Let me ask you this: Do you ever, over the years of all your deer hunting adventures, have you spent some time deer hunting here? Oh, oh yeah. When I was when, when I was in college, my brothers. I was married. My brothers' two roommates. We used to go there. And hunt, you know, during the gun season. Yeah. Well, we both went there. In fact, somebody. I think was, that's Montour County. I'm not sure. But anyway, yeah, that's not it, too far. Somebody mentioned this yesterday. I I shot a buck in Lycoming. Okay. And anyway, shot this buck with a bow, whatever year it was. They tell me now that uh, three that I shot the buck out underwater, it's a little light there. Oh wow! Oh, well, well, well. Listen, that's that's neat to know. Because let me tell you, we always joke about it. Myself, Mark Demko, our associate editor, being from Pennsylvania, there aren't too many celebrities, if you know, or personalities in the outdoor industry that want to spend much time hunting here. Because of course, Pennsylvania's got a reputation. For being a little more challenging than some yeah, other. That's people. what I was just going to say. I mean, PA and I think Michigan go back and forth for like most years. And I and don't hold me to this, but I always tell you guys got a million hunters. About a million hunters total. Bow hunters, about a quarter of a million. Okay. So Pennsylvania ranked number one in two categories that you don't want to rank number one in. And that's hunter density and bow hunter density. So we have more bow hunters per square mile here than any other state in the union. When I drove in last week there, I'm looking across a new mountain range. Sure. And knowing whitetails being what they are, and those mountains covering those mountains alone, and you know there's giant bucks laying up there, you know, holding, holding tight and letting guys walk right by. And there's no that, doubt about it. You know, the quality genetics here, oh. no matter if you're smart, hold up, no lip. I, I was just talking to a buddy yesterday, mm -hmm. and he hunted on a mountain just like this mountain you see here outside the, the complex, but about an hour and a half from here, near my house. And he shot a buck in October, and he kept hunting just because he wanted to go out. Mm -hmm. This ties into what you do. Woodsmanship. He wanted to just spend more time in the woods and see what he would see. Yeah. He had 
lot of other bucks come by. He showed me a trail camera and a video of two different big bucks. I'm talking 140 inch deer that people would shoot anywhere. We do have those deer here in Huntley, but they're not easy to kill. And that's for me. Each year, has a distinct mentality. I use the analogy one dog, one dog will run up like a tail of liquor. You know, the white tail is like that. It's not biting at all. I'm talking about some of them are, are much more shy, independent. They go out there alone, especially as they get older. I don't consider a white tail older than that. Each year, the beast hunted, he has a learning experience guys on both encounters. And as they go along, they get smarter. And they will they will adapt to their situation where you walk right by them. Maybe they're with, like I said earlier, I don't know if it's polite to ask them, how old are you? 79. Okay, you're 79 years old, and how many... When did you start hunting deer? I mean, I wasn't allowed. When I was young, I lived, at that time, we lived in New York. And we weren't allowed to shoot more than 30 or 15. So it didn't start until I was 15. I got my first buck in Sullivan County, New York. Back to get people, bury them. Get people to name the county. So, you, so you've been deer hunting for about 64 years. And probably bow hunting for 50 or more. Oh, yeah. No, I've always bow. I, I don't even, I keep telling people, I don't even know the shot. Did you shoot your first deer with a bow? No, I, as a kid, I shot my first deer with a knife. But I, what I'm getting at is I don't even own the shotgun. I don't own a puzzle or, I'm, you know, I hardly ever go fishing anymore. I live in Montana, I did. And I, all I do is hunt deer. You know, you have a problem. And, 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 you know, people, you know, who know you will know, but for people who might not be as familiar with you, I mean, you've killed, do you have any idea how many bucks you've killed over the years? No, I don't. I never kept track, and I did keep track, but we had a, a fire in 99, and then we had a flood. I would keep all my records, and then we had a pipe breaking out under the house and stuff and flooded the basement, and I lost the rest of them that way. I've never kept Years. I, mean, I know I've killed four brooding pocket four brooding pocket class bucks with a ratio all under fifteen yards. Um, I killed I did keep track of the bear. I killed forty four bear with a bow. Oh wow. And that again, I was a fanatic. I mean I kind of patterned my whole life around hunting white belt I'm kind of inquisitive. I mentioned this the other day that a lot of people will say, you know, what do you think it takes to become a really successful big buck hunter? And I hear the answer is always got to have, guys got to have good eyes, or guys got to be independently wealthy, or guys got to be self employed. And my answer is really almost all, all really good white and yes, I'm a geezer, 80 years old, 
But it, the good part of that is it forced me to slow down and look, think, all the good white hunters are thinking, always questioning, what, what am I looking at? What's going on here? Why am I doing it this way? And if you look, if you stand there long enough, you'll, you'll come up with an answer. I, I agree with you. You know, it's funny because you're 79. I turned 50. Holy. You're a kid. So I'm just a kid, right? But, but I think, you know, I didn't really feel like a kid, but I saw something online. Mm -hmm. SOS. Slower, mm -hmm. older, smarter. There you go. I think that, that's you what go. you just said, right? I should, I use this, and when I give the white tail I use this analogy. I'm big on analogy. And I'll say, you can put an x ray up on an x ray screen. Any layman, any guy at work. Garage or factory, whatever, and point at that X-ray and say, "Yeah, there's the skull, there's the spine, there's the pelvis." You know, and nobody's looking at. It. But as you get older, the the seniors, etc., it's it's very similar to a doctor looking at that same X-ray. He doesn't just see the skull and the spine and the pelvis, etc. I mean, he's he's looking for detail. He's looking for minute, you know. Calcium infiltration or hairline fracture, whatever little minor details, and that's as you get older. I I used to brag about not brag, but I'm proud of the fact that I could go into a block of timber when I was young, and I I'd run through it, and and frankly, I'm not bragging, but I'm pretty good at it. But I'd run through it at that point and say, yeah, that tree right there, that's the best tree in, in this whole area. But now that I've gotten older, I've slowed down and stuff. And as I said, the old days, I'd run by there. Oh, there's five deer beds right there in the snow. And I wouldn't even break stride. I'd just glance at them and keep going. And now that I'm older, I'll go over and I'll start thinking, you know, yeah, there's five deer beds here. Deer, the deer bed, it kind of looks like a lima bean or a kidney bean. That, that deer there was faced to the northwest. And that one over there was faced to the southeast, and that one over there is faced to the And all of a sudden, it dawns on it. All five of those deer are looking different directions to be able to pick up, absorb the, the security. And that, that's just to say, you, you need to slow down and think about what you're, what you're seeing. Great. I use this as another example. And it's the kids, et cetera. They, they love them. You can look at a bed, you know, and I'll say to them, is that a buck bed or a doe bed? And they normally, ju they'll judge it for size. You know, the bigger one beds will be, well, it might be, it might not be. It might be a, a big doe and a year of them. But anyway, they'll look at the bed, and you can go up to a, a deer bed anatomically, the way a deer is built. All deer, when they stand up from their bed, normally the first thing you do is void the bladder. They'll pee, and the urine will drop down a doe. The yellow snow will be right on the edge of the bed, free of the bed and stuff. Whereas a buck, he stands up anatomically, the way they're built, they urinate, and the yellow spot will be right in the center of the bed. So you can instantly take that. And that's a doe bed, that's a buck bed. The kids, and then I'll say, yeah, don't eat the yellow snow. It's always a good tip. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. right. Well, all, I mean, you know, think about this is a kind of woodsmanship that you built your hunting on. Mm -hmm. And I hear, okay, 
not because you're older now, but, you know, we say the, the old timers, if you will, lament the fact that these younger kids that are coming up, we, you know, we look here, we're, we're sitting up here in the stands. People maybe can hear some of the background noise yeah, here yeah. from, we're in the archery and there's a bunch of young guys down here, yeah. right? 20 something that are hungry for this deer hunting like we were when we were 20 yeah. something. And when we think about you were doing your heyday in your hunting, 60s, 70s, yeah. 80s, what wasn't there? Yeah. No trail cameras. Forget cell, forget yeah. cellular cameras. No trail yeah. cameras. Yeah. No Onyx. No, you know, yeah. taking your side-by-sides out there and all that. Yeah. You know, it, there's so many shortcuts to success now if, if you want to look at it that way. I mean, how do you see today's deer hunter coming up and what they're doing, and maybe what they're missing in, compared to the analog world that you came when, of age in. When I was a kid, though, and it, it, even the terminology, meaning that when I was a kid, like scrapes, rub, you know, and scrapes and stuff, they didn't even call it, they didn't even have name scrapes. I remember, you know, whatever it was back in the 50s, they called them uh, rub spots on the ground. There's a rub spot on the ground. And as as we get old and stuff, I want to hand down those the the basics where the kids can learn, and it never ceases to amaze me how some kids have a burning desire to get in the woods and be hunters. Maybe oh, we're good. Okay. Oh, that uh, doesn't bother. Okay. Anyway, there. I mean, we're in the woods, and they they desire to be hunters, and then the next kid. You know, I'm self-taught. Nobody in my family hunted anything like that. I remember, this is an interesting story. I, I remember I was probably eight years old, and uh, my dad was an excellent whitetail hunter in his own way. And I remember him saying, he said, if you got a buck standing in a broadside that you want to shoot 25 yards away, no matter what, what weapon, if you got a gun or a bow, that if you raise your weapon vertically, like the bow, and then draw or raise the gun and shoot them up, you got a chance. But if you move it horizontally, you know, bring it to swing draw or have it, you know, if you move your rifle horizontally and stuff, they'll bust you every time. And I just accepted that. And then as I got older, I got testing it, researching it, and I'll be. I have no idea where he came up with it because way back then there, there was no gear biologist. I mean, nobody knew. But anyway, he was right on the money, and it, the the research showed that the, it's deer, the rods and cones in the deer's eye. The rods pick up motion and light sensitivity. The cones pick up color and high resolution. Think about this. Is what's so interesting? A deer is a prey animal. Right, all the predators, every predator that comes after them. I mean, coyotes, wolves, mountain lions, bobcats, feral dogs, hunters, they, they all come at them horizontally. So, you know, that's nature's way of the deer surviving by picking up horizontally. And I said, it's just, it's so interesting when you put this stuff, you start to look for this and then verify it with examples that you found in the so I just like I said I just want to have these youngsters be able to get out there 
And like I said, more the more they're out there, the more they put into it, the more fun they're going to have. And plus, it's great for the family bond. Grabs and dad and the kids all go out together. So, another thing that you're known for is traditional archery. You do, yeah, I'd say, all of your hunting, right? With, yeah. With, I've never owned a compound. I've never, you know, you can say I don't do any gun hunting whatsoever. I, I just shoot a recoil, you know, and I shoot it instinctively. I've got an ident- identical twin brother, he, and he, he sometimes he'll shoot a longbow, sometimes he'll shoot a recurve, and sometimes it'll be a long recurve or a shorter recurve. And I'm kind of like the guy, I can't do that. I'm kind of like the guy that shoots a pump 22, a pump shotgun, and a pump gear rifle type of thing. I don't want to shoot a, a pump 22 and have a lever action gear rifle and all that, you know. In other words, so it's programmed in my yeah, brain. Yeah, keep it simple. Yeah, exactly. Keep it simple. And that's one of the biggest secrets. In my opinion, is when you in the heat, say the heat of the battle, you get a giant buck stepping out. I mean, grown men just melt. I mean, they just, they just totally fall apart. So it's interesting to see. Again, I, I like to keep things as simple as I can. So the recurve that you shoot is it is it the same bow that you've been shooting for many many years? Yes and no. Um, I've I've shot dozens. Yeah. Paul Schaefer was one of that and he made silver pictures. And he got killed in an accident in nineteen ninety three. But anyway, I used to shoot all his and then I went to several other owners and so forth. And the most recent one but when I get a new bow, I try to keep it as close to my last one as I you know, in other words the grip and the, the length of the bow. Well, I don't, I don't have to adapt to a different bow, which is, that's what my brother does. He'll shoot a long bow in the morning and a little short recurve. You know, so we have to shoot different. He shoots three fingers under and now I shoot split fingers. I shoot more, more in the But, uh, the last few years I've been shooting, uh, it's a all time. Back uh, there, Ryan Wessel. My name's Wentworth. He's from Iowa. He's made me several of them. And there's another gentleman from, uh, named Michael Arnett who makes the same thing bow. Both they fit me. You know, and if a bow, especially if you are hunting instinctively, it feels natural. So, that's what I tell these people. Go to these shows, you know, and go to that the rendezvous. I know uh, there's a big one, Etar. We, we have a big one here in Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Yeah. yeah, and that, and I tell people that's what you need to do. You need to go to those shows, and you can you can look at a great old magazine or or you know whatever. But you know, if you go to the shows, you can pick them up. <laughs> excuse me, half them. Look at the craftsmanship yeah, on them. Yeah. You know, craftsmanship, et cetera. Yeah. So it gives you a good advantage. So, you know, hunting with your recurve, mm-hmm. you're wanting to get real close. And look, I don't hunt with traditional bows very often. And I think that by and large, 97% mm-hmm. of today's bow hunters are using mm-hmm. compound bows. Sure. That doesn't mean 
that there's not something that I can gain from having that traditional bow hunter's mindset. Because that mindset of having to get close has got to play a big role in your hunting strategy. Absolutely. I I set up people's, and that's why I wrote the book, uh, this, last, this last book. People will say to me, you know, you consistently shoot big buck 15 yards. How do you do it? And I finally built my duck and told them how I did it. But it, I said, it. it no big, huge secret, but I set it up for my shots. I don't, I don't like to shoot. You know, I, I get a kick out of it, and I don't care. And I get a kick out of it from the compound guys who say, you know, it was a slam dunk, forty-five yard shot. Slam dunk. I can't even. You know, I don't even think about shooting it. You know, I, I like it under under twenty yards. Yeah. I, and I set up my situation where I can manipulate the deer's natural movement. Or he walked by at 15 yards, 14 yards. And because I said it, it was it, it's, trust me, it, it's not cheating. It's, it's just good hunting. Because most guys are a better shot at 15 yards than are at 35 yards. So. Well, hey, the thing I always say about the compound is, you know, I might have three or five pins in my sight, but you know what my favorite one is? The top pin is harder to screw up than the bottom pin, sure, you know? Sure. Yeah, because dis- distance adds a lot of other factors that can come into play, you know, not just with sure. your own shooting, sure. but the reaction time of the animal and things like that. I keep saying, don't let other people steer you wrong, Me- meaning what's good for you, I might not be interested in what's good for me, you might not be interested in. It's, it's one of those situations where, you know, you, you're supposed to be out there having fun, you know, and don't, don't, I would much rather see a guy shoot a compound well than rig over a longbow for me. Oh, I, so when you set the situation up at 15 yards, it's better as far as the wound recovery. Most guys are a better shot up close than they are. I, I agree. I agree with that wholeheartedly. And I'm so glad that you mentioned that word fun <laughs> because we're all blessed as bow hunters. I don't think there are too many bow hunters, you yeah. know, almost none, sure. who need to do this to not starve to death. We we do it because we're passionate about it, because we enjoy spending time in the woods, because we have respect for the deer and the other game that yeah. we chase. And you know, again, like you said, what's fun for you might not be fun for me. There's a guy who writes for our magazine all the time, Clint Casper, out of Ohio, good friend of mine. He loves Adverse conditions in the field, uh, deep snow and heavy rains and really arduous terrain. And that's fun to him. And I always joke because I'm like, Clint, you can have that stuff. You know, if it's going to be 50 mile an hour wind and sideways rain on Tuesday and Wednesday looks sunny and calm, you can hunt Tuesday. I'll be out on Wednesday because that's more fun to me. It's personal. Yeah. Personal relationship. So, uh, so, so here's the big question, right? Everyone who's been listening to this point, and we're let's see, 26 minutes in, and people are like, "When's he going to ask the big question?" Because, because Barry just said, "I wrote this new book, and I told you how I did it." I'm telling you, 
And so I got to ask, right? And I know it's probably a big question because you wrote a whole book. How many pages? That was three, a little over 300 pages. Okay, so you wrote 29, a 29 chapter. He wrote a 29 chapter book on this, folks. You really got to just buy Barry's new book, The Old Man and the Tree, to get the full story. But for the podcast version, huh? what is the Barry Wenzel deer hunting method? How can you even begin to break that down in a short time frame? I would say to get out in the woods, slow down, walk around, think about what you see. Everything that the deer does, almost every move is totally dependent on message that they receive in the move. As a deer gets older, like I, they slow down, they slow down just like we slow down as we get old. And uh, the, the old fully mature, in fact, I, I refer to them as slow walkers. They'll, they'll slow down and they'll, they, Calculate every move. They'll use the rest of the herd to their advantage. You know, they demand respect from the rest of the herd. I use this analogy. You know, you hear people talking about like coyote. They'll say coyotes just kill the sick in the week, and you know, sickly in the week and stuff like that. Cool. No, coyotes kill more trophy bucks than all the rest of the deer put together. And the reason being. If you got a half dozen deer standing out in the field, a pack of coyotes comes out the other end, that the deer, the normal, you know, goes in the tour buck pond, they'll split, they're out, they'll run the other direction. The big mature buck, he has been demanding respect from the deer herd his whole life. The older he gets, the older he gets. He'll watch those five coyotes step out and stuff. And instead of running away, it's like, Come on, I'll take you on. I, I weigh more than all five of you put together. But what he doesn't calculate into it is that the coyote, there's five or six of them, and two of them will harass the face. The other two or three will come around behind, hamstring them, grip the film, or already open, and the biggest part of the world is dead. So, anyway, like I said, you, you, we, have to, we have to slow down and think about what we see. But to wrap this up, I always tell people to enjoy the whitetail for what he is. A whitetail is one of, of God's greatest gifts of mankind, in my opinion. And slow down and enjoy it. Go out there and have fun. Well, you've been having fun for 60-some years in the deer woods now. And from all parts of the country, from the northeast, to the Midwest. Uh, of course, you live in Iowa now. You lived in Montana for many years. And, you know, people think maybe certain tactics only work in certain places. But like you said, whitetails are... Whitetails are whitetails. But, and that's part of the equation of putting them together. Where, I mean, uh, oh, I haven't recently, but I used to always go down in Alabama, in the south, Mississippi, in January, where the, they're rut. It's like, like, like last week. And sure, at the end of January, peak of the rut in Alabama and stuff. I was living in Montana, and I'd much rather be hunting whitetails in Alabama going for a peak of the rut than shoveling snow in my driveway. Anyway, sounds good to get, me. Get out there and have fun. Well, Barry, I really appreciate it. 
given me a chance. I know you got to get back to your booth. There's people down there. They've they're got their wallets out. They're buying books and they want autographs. So you got to get back down. I appreciate it. Thanks for downloading the Peterson's Bow Hunting Podcast. All bow hunting, all the time. Pick up the latest issue of Peterson's Bow Hunting Magazine on your local newsstand or connect with us online at bowhuntingmag.com.